Uh, first up, MLEU19, Magento Live Europe. So this has been cool. I've always wanted to do one of these, like a, like a live thing on an event when I'm not at the event and you're feel, oh, that's hilarious. Here's my tweet here. When you're feeling the FOMO <clears throat> and seeing all the pictures and missing, missing everybody. So this is my chance to, uh, commentate a little bit. I just want to look at some of these, uh, tweets. I've been seeing some great pictures. Um, which has been awesome. Good to see the people. Um, I saw, I think Philip mentioned like, it always feels like a big family reunion whenever you're at the uh, Magento events. And I definitely know that feeling and uh, it's, it's awesome to see everybody having a good time. Um, I'm trying to remember which tweets in particular I wanted to mention. There's a couple that stuck out at me. Now, of course, we've got the standard um, Magento conference situation where there are two different hashtags. There's MLEU and MLEU19. And of course, some people are tweeting MLEU and some people are doing MLEU19. We can never seem to get our hashtags straight. <clears throat> people, get your hashtags straight. Um, Again, I was sick yesterday, so I'm a, I'm a little... Oh, oh, here we go. Live stream. This is awesome. I am a fan of live streaming. And I think it's really cool that uh, Magento is live streaming. Uh, really, post-Adobe acquisition uh, is live streaming more and more uh, things as far as keynotes and stuff. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. Really smart. Um... Gary Spector announcing the formation of a new organization within the Adobe Digital Experience Unit, one that is completely focused on the needs of growing customers under one billion in revenue. I love how under one billion in revenue is like a category. Like, holy cow, man. Okay. Magento and Marketo. Okay, so this is about this new sort of Mar Magento Marketo merger. Is that the Marketo logo? I'm not too familiar with Marketo. Um, so that's cool. What else? What else? Stage looks really nice. Um, always got to have a PayPal breakfast. Always a PayPal breakfast. Looking good. Looking good. Oh, here we go. Here, here was the, the photos from, uh, from Felipe. Ah, oh, shoot. My video encoding is getting jacked. Ah, no. So I think that my OBS is overloading. I think the videos. Okay, let me close this tab down. I think that the. Uh, is that better now? The uh, whatchamacallit OBS was getting overloaded. My my uh, my live stream broadcasting software. I think it's better now. All right. Yeah, I cannot watch any videos. Uh, while I'm doing this live streaming, which is super annoying. I need to get a new, I need to get a new computer, uh, for all this live streaming that I've been doing. Um, dang it. I think I can't, well, you know what I should do is I should try to disable, um, ah, that's a bummer. I should try to disable video autoplay or something like that. Let me see if I can fire this back up. 
Let me see if I can fire this back up here now that my uh, now that my video is back under control. Nope, it keeps dropping frames. Uh, that's not good. Anyways, I saw some. Uh, I saw some. Next time, I have to just pull up specific tweets that I can jump into without seeing videos. Anyways, uh, yeah, I saw some cool pictures. Anyways, I just want to say to everybody out there, it's good to see you guys having a good time and uh, missing all of you. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Shout out to, shout out to the Magento community. Okie dokie. Um, I love how my buddy Douglas said, "Where I don't know from. I don't know if I can see this one. I can't remember where that one was." There was a thing about jQuery, and he thought of me, which was awesome. Um, okay, next up, Zapier versus Integramat. All right, here we go. Um, okay, so uh, do you use both Zapier and Integramat? Any thoughts on one versus the other? So wanted to just sort of do a little comparison as I, I've been playing with both of them and um, wanted to just talk a little bit about some of the differences. So, um, first off, uh, I think what it comes down to is feature coverage. Um, so the only reason I even looked at Integromat is because there was a specific thing that I wanted to do, um, which happened to be related to, uh, Airtable, uh, uh, trigger uh, an air, an Airtable trigger on row update on row level update, which Zapier does not have. Zapier has a trigger for a new record created um, and then some other things. So the, the name of the game when you're working with Zapier and, and, and these different things is that if, if, they're, if, they're, if you're missing a feature, uh, then you're just kind of stuck, right? That's one of the downsides of no code is like when you're coding something, you can just get in there, do whatever you want. When you're no code, uh, you know, if you run into a limitation, you know, now one of the annoying things about Integromat, which there's a lot of things I like about it, but it keeps popping up these onboarding bubbles and it's just annoying. It's like pop, popping them up over and over. But, um, but so, so that's the main thing is, is going to be feature coverage. If there's something that Zapier needs that you're missing, you might want to see if Integromat has it and vice versa. Um, now other than that, as far as the UI goes, uh, Zapier has a great UI. So these are a couple of rules that I'm using at the moment. Um, this one grabs things from Twitter and puts them into uh, an Airtable contact spreadsheet. Um, this over here uh, is a different rule that looks at Airtable for updated records and then it assigns, it sends email notifications to different people that are assigned different tasks. So Anyways, in terms of the UI, I have to say I really like Integromat. It's got this flexible uh, sort of sort of work sort of um, flow interface, right? Where you know, like as an example, I don't even know exactly how you would do this in Zapier. It's branching off this workflow where it's gonna, saying, okay, when a record is updated, send one, e send this email, send this other email, send this DM. Um, and then it's got, you know, neat little things like auto align. We'll get it. We'll auto clean up that for you. And then you can scroll out and scroll back in. So it's neat for, and I'd imagine as this gets more complex, you know, you can just do a lot of stuff in there and it has a neat interface for running tests where 
Of course, this is not looking very good on tablet view, which literally nothing works on tablet view. One of my ongoing rants, but if I click run once, um, it has this neat way that it renders that if you saw that where, and then here goes the friggin' onboarding thing again. So it was a little hard to see there, but first of all, it shows you the specific record in here if you want to see it. And then it visualizes as the logic is executing through different branches. It, it shows you that visually, which is a great little interface. Um, so interface wise, Integromat is really cool. Obviously Zapier is, is cool as well. And the way that you do conditional logic and things like that are using these uh, little uh, Zapier uh, features like, you know, this is the filter and I think this is the webhook and things like that. So, uh, so then last up would be pricing. Um, so, Zay so it's a little apples to oranges. Integromat prices on, um, yes, leave. Integromat prices on uh, operations and Zapier prices on zaps. So uh, a zap in Integromat is called a scenario. Um, in general, the Integromat pricing seems significantly lower, uh, but it's a little apples to oranges, right? So like, for example, I set up a couple of 15 minute triggers and every 15 minutes, no matter how the thing executes, it uses up an operation. I think it uses one operation, I think per record. So at first I thought, oh, a thousand. Oh, this will be more than enough for what I need. And then I, as I looked at my numbers, I realized I was about to run out of operations for the month. So I reduced the 15 minute down to a every hour, every two hours kind of a thing. Um, oh, tasks. And so for Zapier, an operation is a task. And so I think that you know, when you go up to 20 bucks a month, you're going to get 750 tasks, five zaps in Integromat. There's no limitation on the number of zaps or scenarios. They only limit it on operations, which I guess in some ways is a little cleaner. Uh, but pricing is, is I think lower on Integromat. Probably the number of integrations is going to be lower though. Uh, but I could be wrong because the only, you know, the only case I'm aware of is the Airtable case where actually Integromat has better feature coverage than Zapier. Although none of them have a webhook trigger for an updated record, which is really what I'd expect. So you have to run um, a scheduled every 15 minute polling uh, trigger, which is not ideal. Um, so anyways, those are, those are the differences I'm seeing so far. It's neat to have these different options and, and whatnot, but yeah, I just wanted to cover that. Okay, next up. Oh man, a little out of it today. A little out of it because I was sick yesterday. All right. Um, so this is just this is just a fun thing I, I did the other day. Me and my buddy Andrew were hacking away on some uh, on some um, Zapier stuff, and um, this is hard to see on this tablet. But I created a um, I created a Zapier integration that pulls. Uh, contacts from um, pulls contacts from Twitter mentions uh, into uh, so we're we're messing around with the idea of like a personal CRM um, of just your contacts and at first we we're like well what if we pull in from Gmail all your contacts and I was like well that's gonna pull in number one way too many people 
you're going to go over your limit of Airtable records. And also you're going to have just a bunch of junk. So then I was like, well, what if I pull in people from Twitter? Cause I tend to people I interact with regularly on Twitter tend to be like, you know, contacts that are more, uh, that I'm, that I'm closer to professionally or personally. And so it's like, all right, let me do that. So then I, I set up a, I set up a, uh, actually I can show you this. This is the one I was showing just a second ago in, in Zapier. Um, the flow I have for this. So I was like, okay, I can do that. So I started pulling in mentions from, from Twitter. And then the first thing I had to figure out was, well, I want to, I want to remove duplicates. So if somebody mentions me twice, I don't want to create two records for that. So then the way I handled that was just, um, Airtable has a find or create, um, operation. So I just used the find or create, um, in Airtable, which was cool. And then the next thing was, I was like, oh, but then I'm fine. Then I'm seeing all these company Twitter account mentions going into my CRM and I don't want companies. I just want people, uh, in my CRM. So then I was like, man, how do I do that? And I was thinking about is, are the, is there like some API that can look at the Twitter account, find out if it's a person or a brand or whatever. And, and then what I thought about, what about face detection? So sure enough, there's an API that hooks right into Zapier for face detection called transload it which has a free plan that you can play with. And so I pulled that in and then, uh, the next complication was that the API is asynchronous. So you send the API request and then it says, okay, we're working on your face detection. It gives you a URL to paint, to come back and ping. And then you ping that. And then once it's done, it, it gives you the results of the API response. So then I had to handle asynchronous within this thing. And I just did a little lazy. I just did a delay for once, uh, for one minute, um, using this delay, uh, feature trigger thingy. And then I did a get, um, and then basically it says only continue to create the record. If the field is present, um, uh, and then the, the, the field in the API response is, uh, you know, whatever that field was called, something like confidence, um, whatever. Uh, so anyway, I was like, kind of like, it was kind of like wild that, um, I was able to, um, excuse me, that I was able to do all that right in, in Zapier, like without any code at all. I was like freaking awesome. Uh, so anyway, just a fun little use case there. All right, next up. Tweet from Taylor Otwell, founder of Laravel. In the last five years, I've sold $10 million worth of software from a small town in Arkansas. This Friday on the Laravel snippet, um, I'm going to start a mini-series where I share thoughts on building products, marketing, motivation, building an audience, and more. Tune in. So just in, I don't know if Taylor's ever shared, you know, revenue numbers in the past. Um, but this is the first I've, I've seen it and, uh, just absolutely incredible. Um, and it just made me think, you know, my, I, I replied to this, you know, like remote software companies are totally thriving. Like there's like, you know, uh, he mentions being a small town in Arkansas and it's like, you know, there's this narrative that everything interesting happens in Silicon Valley, um, you know, all, all the crazy VC backed startups and stuff. And it's like, there is so much cool stuff happening in all sorts of places throughout, not in the U S but throughout the world. Um, you know, the internet really, you know, democratizes, um, 
you know, all of this. So it's like, it's, it's, it's the idea that you have to be in a certain city to do something is just crazy. You can be anywhere and do cool stuff. And the, uh, the success that, that Taylor has had with Laravel in particular, um, as well as all of his, uh, you know, particular products in the Laravel ecosystem forge and all the, all the different products is just, uh, amazing. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's so cool to see. Um, and, and, and yeah, like wherever you are, man, you can do cool stuff. doesn't matter where you are. Um, so yeah, that was just, uh, that, that's all I had to say on that it was really, really inspiring. And, uh, my man Taylor is crushing it. All right, next up, um, this is uh, a new um, law in California, or is it a bill? I, I don't, I don't understand the lawmaking process very much. But uh, let's see, is this a in the bill? So I don't know if this is a law that's passed. Okay, freelance writers in mass are imploring Lorena Gonzalez, who is an assemblywoman. California to change a proposed bill. Oh, so this is a proposed bill that it essentially guarantee that freelancers in California won't be able to make a living. It's amazing to see her somehow ignore them while also congratulating herself for taking the high road. Uh, and then the tweet from her is the publisher must, after a 35 submission, either hire the writer as an employee or not use their freelance services any longer. The burden is on the company. If the company violates the law, they're at fault, not the writer. So, um, so this is a law that limits the number of uh, freelance submissions freelancers can do. The idea behind it is to incentivize companies to hire, uh, in this case, I guess, writers. And I, I don't know if this law applies specifically just to writers or to all kinds of freelancers. Uh, but some of the stuff I've been seeing on the Twittersphere has been um, talking about freelancing in general. But let's talk specifically about writing. Um, you know, the idea behind the, the, the law is to incentivize companies to hire them full-time so that, you know, people will have good full-time jobs with benefits and that, you know, some, you know, sometimes companies can be seen as, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of, you know, save, saving money by hiring people on a freelance basis instead of full-time. And they're like, Hey, you know, you guys gotta, you know, the idea is we want these companies to sort of do the right thing and, you know, give, give people better jobs. But, you know, uh, a lot of times these laws, they start with one sort of ideal, um, in mind, of how to you know improve things overall. And then they have unintended consequences that actually hurt the people that they were trying to help, you know, and a lot of, a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of the responses I'm seeing to this are like, you know, it's like, dude, like as a freelancer, you know, this is the name of the game is you want to be able to do like, okay. So next tweet here, uh, from Tony tossed in the bill, a freelance journalist is capped at writing 35 submissions per year per employer. Many freelancers write more than that per month. How did, uh, Gonzalez arrive at the number 35? So in other words, like, like for a lot of freelancers want to do this, you know, like, like, uh, they, they want to be able to hustle and, and do as much freelance stuff as they can. And when, if they're limited from doing that, you know, that's going to hurt them. And sure, maybe a couple people will, you know, not a couple, maybe a small number of people will be hired and get those full-time jobs. Um, but 
Um, you know, but, but probably the vast majority of, of freelancers will just sort of be limited from being able to work. So it'll sort of hurt them in the end. And, you know, I think about these things, I'm not a lawyer of course, and, and stuff, but I think about, you know, work and remote work and freelance work and full-time work. I, I think about those issues a lot and, uh, you know, related to commerce hero and freelance development and things like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of people being able to, uh, freelance if that's what they want to do, you know, it, it can be really hard. I mean, um, it, it, I, I remember when I used to freelance do freelance development, it can be a grind for sure, but it's also a great opportunity. You can get started and, um, you know, you can, uh, do some work for somebody for a couple hundred bucks and it's like, it makes it a no brainer for them to hire you because it's very low risk for them. And it give, gives you the opportunity to start getting some real world experience. And then you just keep leveling up and increasing your rates. And, uh, you know, so it can be great, but anyway, so unintended consequences. All right. Uh, last up today. Um, so bummed that my live stream didn't work today. The average modern person is exposed to 5,000 ads uh, per day, 500 in 1970. This visual pollution weakens our ability to focus. This is the world you're trying to message to and get attention in. In a world where those around you are constantly distracted, you are now invisible. Uh, tweet from Thibaut, T-H-I-B-A-U-T. I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, so this is interesting. I actually feel like, um, so it's interesting to see those numbers and, and the number of ads per day that we're exposed to. It's like, wow, that's pretty wild. That's pretty intense. Um, and I wasn't really around in 1970, but just as far as like what I, what I think back to is, you know, back when I used to watch like regular TV, like, I don't know how long that was ago, like five, 10 years ago. And you're watching regular TV and, you know, you're, you're sitting through, you know, these long ads on TV and, and, and they just drive you crazy. And you compare that now to watching YouTube, uh, and the ad model on YouTube or Netflix or, or Twitter, you know, the ad model on Twitter, social Facebook, all these social media companies and comparing the two. And I feel like, um, I actually feel like the ad experience overall is better now than it was before. Um, I feel like uh, I prefer the situation we're in now. Um, and there are tons and tons of ads. I mean, scrolling through Twitter, I, I saw some people mention recently that Twitter is like one every six or seven tweets these days are promoted tweets. So there are a lot of them, but it's kind of obvious when something's a promoted tweet. So it's kind of easy to scroll past it. Like I just much prefer pretty much every type of digital ad to, you know, the, the, the five minute long commercial that you watch, you know, back in the day on TV. Um, and so, um, I, so I don't know. So the question is like, in the tweet, he says this visual pollution weakens our ability to focus. And it's like, are we let, uh, you know, um, it, are we more, you know, is our ability to focus more we can weakened now or, you know, in, in 1970 or whatever, 10 years ago, 20 in the past. And I don't know. I, I, in some ways feel like it's better now. Um, oh, here's my tweet. I feel less distracted by digital ads than TV a decade ago. Yeah. So, um, 
anyway, that was just sort of an interesting, interesting tweet on the topic of uh, advertising. All right, that's all I got for today. Thank you for bearing with me as I'm just getting over being sick. A little out of it. Live stream went bonkers on me today. Um, I hope you have a fantastic Tuesday, and I'll see you tomorrow.